0: He was known as the Walt Disney of Christianity. Phil Vischer as a young man was an introvert who had a love of puppetry as well as animation. And what he wanted to do is take that gift that he had been given and combine it with, with Bible stories and make those Bible stories come alive for kids. Well, he came up with a couple really cool characters, Bob the tomato and Larry the cucumber. And the rest, as they say, is VeggieTales history. He and his business partner formed a company called Big Idea Production, and they started out with just three of them in the office. But in up to 10 years, they would have 200 employees and a net worth of more than $350 million. It would get rough for him, though. Phil was a creator. He was not a businessman. And the more he poured into his business, the less his his creativity came out of his pores. When he was throwing himself into his business, his soul was becoming drier and drier. He, he was a walking stress time bomb. He just kept telling himself, I, I'm the Walt Disney of Christianity. I can do this. I can do this. He had red lights going off all around him. People saying, you're working too hard. You're going to crash. Well, he crashed really hard after Big Idea Productions lost a huge multi-million dollar lawsuit. He would lose everything except his family. And it would be at that time in which he had some realizations. But he was really upset. And at one time, he said this about God. He said, how could God stand back from something that was doing so much good for the kingdom and watch it fall apart? Well, God made it clear that God cared more about Phil than God cared about veggie tales. Have you ever considered that we can get so uh, enthralled with what's going on around us, that there's so much volume around us that it it just squelches out the voice of God, that we could actually be doing good things for God, but in the end, we're not walking with God? Such is what we're going to talk about today. In fact, if you get anything at all out of today's teaching, get this. To hear the whisper of God, you must turn down the volume of the world. To hear the whispers of God, to hear God's voice, you need to turn down the volume of the world. That means that you need to be in healthy rhythms with God, connecting with God daily, weekly, and, and periodically through your life so that you can hear his voice. But here's the thing. If you don't do that, God can put you in a holding pattern in life for a wake up call. That's what happened to Phil, and we're going to talk about that today. Well, I'm excited about today's teaching as we hit into week two of our series called Still Waters. It's in this series in which we're looking at my favorite psalm and probably many of your favorite psalms Psalm 23. Last week, Pastor Bob kicked us off with a great teaching on the the Lord being our shepherd. In fact, in Psalm 23, verse 1, it it reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what Pastor Bob did last week is he divided that up into two places. The Lord is my shepherd. And he spent a long time talking about Jesus is our good shepherd. He's sovereign. He holds all things together. And because of that, we can trust him, him as he leads us and guides us. But then he said, I shall not want. And that's real important because that talks about our contentment in life. That God gives us things we need rather than things we may want. And so we're going to build up on some of the things Pastor Bob spoke about last week. In fact, throughout this series, you'll see us building on the previous week's teachings. So this week, we're going to be hitting verse 2. Verse 2 is such an amazing verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me and he leads me. About, I don't know, probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago, there was this bumper sticker and it went like this. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. And what that meant is without Jesus, you can't have true peace in your life. But when you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, you have peace that surpasses all understanding. Well, what we're going to find out today is that verse two is a lot about soul rest. It's about rest in our lives. And so you can take that no Jesus, no peace thing and turn it a little bit when it comes to rest. No rest, no peace. No rest, no peace. That means if you don't have rest, if you're doing like what Phil Vischer was doing, you're burning the candles at both ends and in the middle. You got red lights going off all over you. If you are, are running hard with no rest, you're not going to have peace. But with Jesus, we get that eternal peace as well as a, a, a peace that surpasses all understanding. So soul rest is a big part of that. So let's go back to verse two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me, he leads me. Well, when our kids were little, Linda and I would have to force them to do their homework. A lot of times they wouldn't want to do it. And we would say, no, you have to do your homework. We were making them do their homework. And if they didn't do it, there were consequences for that. We can have consequences in our lives when we don't listen to the voice of God. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. So, God makes us lie down in green pastures, and it's for our own good. But then, He leads us beside still waters. That word leads lead is a very important word. In Hebrew, it means to gently lead. Pastor Bob last week talked about how God is not a cowboy, how you can't drive sheep like you drive cattle. Sheep need to be led gently. And that's what Jesus, our good shepherd, does. In fact, let's go to John chapter 10. It's the good shepherd chapter of the Bible. And in John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, Jesus describes him as the good shepherd. Look at this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And underline this, circle this, highlight this. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, and because of that, we can trust him. Well, about 50 years ago, there was a guy named Philip Keller who wrote a book, A Shepherd's Guide to Psalm 23. Philip was born in East Africa, and he spent his entire life as a shepherd. And then later in his life, he would become a pastor. And he spent time really delving into this thing called Psalm 23. And what he says is that sheep need four things in order to rest easily. And I think we can compare the sheep with us because it's so true with us too. So let's go through these four things and just spend a couple of minutes on these. First of all, sheep need a freedom from fear. They need a freedom from fear. I don't know if, if, if you've ever noticed sheep, but they are some of the most fearful animals in the world. That doesn't mean like they come at you with their hooves, with horns and fangs going, Meh, trying to kill you. That's not what I mean by fearful animals. Sheep are spooked very easily. So what happens is you see them in the middle of the night and they're all sound asleep in their pasture. And then there's a noise and they all start freaking out. That is until the good shepherd shows up. When the good shepherd steps in there, there's a level of calm think about how that applies to us right now we're at a time when there is so much angst and anxiety going on because of COVID-19. I'll tell you, I've shared with you guys my problems with anxiety, and I've had my anxiety levels go up. And I can speak for all the pastors. We've been walking and and working with a lot of people who are going through times of anxiety. And what happens in times of anxiety is we get focused on that thing that's causing the anxiety. COVID-19, what if I get the virus? Or many of you just lost your jobs. You were just laid off. What if I don't get my job back? What if I can't take care of my family what if the economy is not going to recover and we get so focused on the obstacle that we take our eyes off of the good shepherd because the good shepherd truly is sovereign over this and he keeps things calm when we focus on him we can say even if the worst happens the good shepherd has my back think about this think about this when the earth is in panic heaven is still at peace Heaven is at peace because their eyes are all on Jesus. That's what heaven is about. We're focusing on Jesus. And so there's calm in heaven, and we have to have the same thing here on earth. We need to be focusing on Jesus, the good shepherd. If you right now are in a time of fear and anxiety, spend some time praising God during this time. There's all things you can be praising him about, even in your worst moments. Because praise and worry cannot sleep in the same bed. That will lower your levels of angst. So sheep need freedom from fear in order to rest. But what about this one? Freedom from friction. Sheep are a lot like us. There's competition within the flock. There are bullies within the flock. There are power plays within the flock. And it gets pretty ugly sometimes with sheep. That is, until... The Good Shepherd shows up. Now he'll swack a bullying sheep in the head to get them straight and to keep that friction down. But think about what happens with us in our lives. We have friction in our lives. We end up running the rat race instead of running the right race. We get our priorities out of whack. We have sandpaper people in our lives, you know, people who run us rub us the wrong way. And that can be happening with you right now when you're stuck in the house with a lot of people or, or maybe you're having to work with people who rub you the wrong way. And what a good remedy for us when it comes time of dealing with friction is to simply pray to God, pray for those people who upset us, pray for uh, those who are in the rat race and just say, We're, I'm just gonna release it. You open your hands and just say, God, I give this to you because I can't affect this. I'm tired of this person in my life. I need help. Bob Goff once said that when you you sit in a posture like this, it's a welcoming posture. You're welcoming God into your situation and you're releasing your situation to him. So you gotta have freedom from fear, freedom from friction. But what about this one? Freedom from aggravation. Sheep have parasites, they get fleas, they get ticks, and all of those things aggravate them. They get sores on their bodies. So what happens is the good shepherd has to come in sometimes, grab the sheep, forcibly lay them down so he can pull off ticks and fleas so that he can put uh, ointment and medicine on the sheep for the sheep to heal up. And those aggravations mount up. And the same can happen with us. You know, I look at, at, at all of us needing a freedom from aggravation as being death by a thousand paper cuts. And you get what I mean. You, you have that, that day in which things just aren't going right. And it's one thing after another, one thing after another. And then it's a season of things not going right. And you get this level of anger. You get angry at people who are wearing masks because, hey, they're not required, they're just recommended and they're social shaming you because you don't have one. And then you're mad at somebody who doesn't have a mask because they just sneezed and spread germs everywhere. So you got this level of anger. Then you've got bitterness. Bitterness is all about uh, unmet expectations that you have of people or organizations. So you're you're bitter at people who aren't meeting your expectations. You're bitter at the government because they're not acting too quickly or, or quickly enough. Sometimes you get bitter at church, at your church. Uh, Your church should be doing more, or why is your church doing so much? Your pastors, they're not doing enough. People around you are not doing their part, and it gets you mad. And so then you have this complaining spirit. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. And so what happens is we get that complaining spirit, and it just spirals us down. And worse yet, what we can do is we can develop unhealthy escape routes to get away from that feeling of anger, bitterness, or a complaining spirit. And what God calls on us to do is, again, take our focus to him, the good shepherd, to have those healthy rhythms with him, to spend some time in scripture, spend some time in prayer, to step outside of ourselves and to serve him. Well, let's look at this last one, freedom from hunger. We all need to be fed, sheep need to be fed, and the good shepherd goes out of his way to provide places and things for us to eat. We need to be fed emotionally, we need to be fed spiritually, we need to be fed physically. And what we need to do when it comes time in which we're hungry, whether it's emotionally, physically, or spiritually, we have to praise God for what we're in and we trust in him and he provides. But again, just as Pastor Bob talked about last week, he provides what we need, therefore we shall not want. And I think that's the whole point of Psalm 23, verse two. It's all about resting in the arms of the good shepherd. Let's go back to it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Think about that. Pastures and waters, it's plural. That means that, that, that it's not just a one and done. He takes me to a pasture, I rest. He gives me some water, I rest, and then I'm up and gone. No, it's pastures. That means it's habitual. He wants us to be in a habitual resting relationship with him. You know, the world provides pl- plenty of places to rest, but only Jesus can give us our rest. Only Jesus can give us our peace. No Jesus, No peace. No rest, no peace. Well, think about water and fast-moving water. Sheep cannot move or cannot drink from fast-moving water. If they would come up to a stream that's moving really fast, they could fall in and their wool would weigh them down and they'd drown. Sometimes God has to dam up a stream and slow us down because the rivers are moving by so fast so that we can have a drink, have a drink and to live into that living water. Think about this. We can be so busy in our careers, in our relationships, and even in our religious activity, and we can't get a drink of that living water. So God sometimes will stop the water for us. He will lay us down in a a pasture that isn't green yet, so he can green stuff up around us and give us that water. So what I want to do now is is shift gears and I want to talk a little bit about holding patterns in life. Because when the volume of the world is so high and God is screaming saying, you got to talk to me, you got to talk to me, I need you to sit in my lap, sometimes he's going to press pause and put you in a holding pattern so he can take care of you. Okay, so let's talk about that. When I was in Special Forces back in the early 90s. I was stationed at Joint Base lewis McCord, Fort Lewis. Uh, I loved it. I was in uh, the Special Forces unit for four years, and it was out of the 28 years I was in the military, those four years were the best years of my life. They were uh, of my career. They were so amazing. And I was gone probably 200 to 300 days out of the year. And when I get to come home, I was anxious to see Linda and the kids. And if I were flying home on a commercial flight, I'd, I'd be flying in. And if it was a clear day, you know, as you're coming into the approach, a lot of times you fly over Joint Base Lewis-McChord. I could see my house. I was so excited to get home. And we'd hit SeaTac and all of a sudden we'd be in a holding pattern. And it would be so frustrating. I knew where I wanted to go. I knew where I wanted to be, but I simply couldn't get there. That's what holding patterns are. Holding patterns are so important because they're places in which God can green up the grass around you and then give you that water for your dry soul. And here's the thing, God has no problem putting us in holding patterns because they're places uh, of God's classroom. Well, Let's go back to John chapter 10 because John 10, it's the, the good shepherd chapter of the Bible and Jesus says these words in verse 10. Jesus says, the thief, that's Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But look what Jesus does. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some of your your translation says life more abundant. Well, think about this. Jesus says, follow my voice, hear my voice, and I will give you rest. Satan says, follow my voice, hear my voice. I will make you busy. I will give you pain. I will give you distractions. I will give you an ulcer. I will take away your life. Jesus promises a life more abundant. Satan promises death, an ugly death. Jesus leads us to that eternal rest. He leads us to daily rest. Satan leads us to pain and difficulty and eternal separation from God. In Jesus's mind, we have great worth. He goes to the cross for us, even though we're unworthy, he goes to the cross because we have great worth in his eyes. We have no worth in Satan's eyes. So he goes to the cross, he's crushed for our sins. He dies, he's buried, he's resurrected, and now we can look to the good shepherd to lead us and guide us because he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He, God will use all things because we have worth, God will use all things to get his sheep's attention, and those things include putting us in holding patterns in our lives. Right now, we're in a holding pattern, and I just want to say we're going to go through many throughout our lives, and whether we're in holding patterns because God is testing our faith and he does that, or we're in holding patterns because Satan, the thief, is shaking our peace, holding patterns are a reality, and we end up there for many, many reasons, Many reasons unknown. Sometimes God will put us in a holding pattern because we've got a character issue. Maybe God has given you this thing right here and he says, this is a dream, it's a passion I have, but guess what? You're not ready for it. You've got a pride issue. You've, maybe you've got an integrity issue. He knows that with a character issue, If you get into that place too early, you can not only destroy the dream, you can destroy a lot of lives around you. So he says, no, I need you in the holding pattern because I need you to grow in this experience. Sometimes we get put in a holding pattern just to fix our priorities. And I'll tell you right now during COVID-19, one of the things God has just shown me is my priorities were out of whack. I love being a pastor, but I'm also a workaholic. And what I've found is God is saying, bud, you better slow down. I need to fix your priorities. And he does that with all of us in holding patterns in our lives. Sometimes you're in a holding pattern simply because of a medical issue. And what God tells you to do is is just sit and let him heal. And here's the, the beautiful thing. When you go through a difficult struggle, that difficult struggle can become your greatest ministry. So God's saying, no, you've got this medical issue. Just sit and let me heal because I got something big for you, but you gotta wait. You gotta be patient. You're in my waiting room in my hospital. Sometimes you're in a holding pattern because you've got an addiction and you may be saying, oh, this is just one little thing. And God says, wait a second. This one little thing is keeping you from becoming the man or woman I've called you to be. I've broken those chains. I want you to walk with me, but you can't get to here until you deal with this. And sometimes holding patterns are simply places of preparation. Places in which God is preparing you for something else, for that life more abundant. Here's the truth about holding patterns though. Holding patterns are all part of a process and you can't skip the process, but you can control your posture in the process. You can't skip the process. Holding patterns are necessary. They're going to happen, but you can control your response to what's going on while you're in the waiting room. I once heard a pastor say these words. He said, no matter what you're going through in a waiting period, if you make God look good while you're in the waiting period, he's going to make you look good while you're coming out of it. Well, When you're in a waiting room, when you're in a holding pattern in life, there are two really important questions you gotta ask yourself. Sometimes we wanna say the most important question is why God, why? Hey, newsflash, he's probably not gonna give you that answer on this side of eternity. So two important questions. They're not in your notes, but you might wanna write them down because they're really important. When you're in a holding pattern, question number one is you gotta ask God, what are you trying to teach me? what are you trying to teach me during this time, Lord? What what do I need to learn? Show me, because this is your classroom. What can I learn? What are you trying to teach me during this holding pattern? And then the second one, the second one I think, is more important than the first. And the second one is, how can I glorify you while I'm in this holding pattern? How can I glorify you, the good shepherd, while I'm in this holding pattern? Uh, too often in life we think life is about us, but it's not. It's about us glorifying God. And that's what Psalm 23 is all about. It's about the good shepherd. It's not about the sheep. So how can I, how can I glorify you, God? So back to Psalm 23, look at this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes, as I said earlier, when my kids wouldn't do their homework, there was a, that was a disobedience issue. And, and so with us, we've got to turn down the volume of the world so we can hear God as he says, hey, I got a green pasture for us. And when we don't listen to him, well, that's disobedience. It's so important for us to remember that obedience to God will come before we can make a huge impact. In other words, obedience precedes impact. Obedience precedes impact. God keeps on yelling and screaming, saying, you're going too hard, you're going too fast, you gotta slow, slow down. And if we don't, he might just place us in that holding pattern to get our attention, but also to heal us up because He loves us so much. Let me give you an example of how that played out for one of my heroes in life. Her name is Sheila Walsh. Many of you have probably heard her, heard of her. She is a, 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 a Christian leader. She's on the Christian Broadcasting Network, a talk show host. And about, I don't know, probably 15 years ago or so, she crashed. I mean, she was going hard and she kept on getting told, you're going too fast. You're going too fast. You're, you're going to crash. And she said, no, Satan didn't sleep. Therefore, I'm not sleeping. And as she was burning the candle at both end and burning the candle in the middle, she started suffering greatly. And her crash happened one day when she had someone on her, her talk show and she did what she always does. She says, hey, tell me how you're doing. And the person on the talk show said, you know what, Sheila, I'm not going to answer that today. I'm going to ask you, how are you doing? Silence. The lip starts trembling. The eyes fill up with tears. And then she has a major league boohoo. I mean, she crashes a, national, or a, a, a nervous breakdown on national television. A handful of hours later, she would find herself in the psych ward and she'd, she'd be sitting there alone. She'd be in the worst spot in her life. And what was interesting about it was a, a few days into the psych ward, about two o'clock in the morning, she's sitting on the floor of her padded room and they have this, this orderly, this, this hospital orderly shows up in her room and he's got a stuffed sheep, a little, little stuffed animal. It's a stuffed sheep with a note. And the note says this. God always knows, the good shepherd always knows where to find his sheep. The good shepherd, God, he always knows where to find his sheep. Right now, you may be feeling alone. You may be feeling like Sheila Walsh sitting on the floor and and you're just, you're so isolated. Maybe you've got people around you yet you still feel alone. Understand this. Jesus said he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the good shepherd and he knows your situation. He's been in your situation and he will walk you through that situation. If you're watching right now, there's there's a heart in the chat room. You better be clicking those hearts. I should be seeing machine gun hearts going up because that's a word right there. The good shepherd always knows where to find his sheep. So she'd be in this holding pattern for several months and actually several years before she'd truly come out of it. And when all was said and done, she said a couple things that really hit home to me when I went through my burnout. She said, When heaven invades your hell, it wins your heart's allegiance. Think about that. When heaven invades your hell, when when the worst thing happens to you and Jesus shows up, you're saying, I'm in, I'm in. Hey, Jesus, you going to hell? I got snowballs, let's go. I'm with you, we're going. When heaven invades your hell, it wins your heart's allegiance. And then when all was said and done, she could stand up and say confidently in faith, God, for everything that has been, thank you. And for everything that will be, yes. For everything in my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Thank you for that, because it's brought me to this point. And whatever's coming down the pike, whatever's happening, yes, I accept it because you've got me. Folks, the same good shepherd that may have placed you in that holding pattern is the same one that's going to land the plane Your job is to respond well. Ask him, what are you trying to teach me? How can I glorify you in this holding pattern? How can I be obedient to you? Because obedience precedes impact. You are one spoken word from Jesus from being able to step outside of your holding pattern. Okay, so I wanna get very practical now, very practical with how we deal with the holding patterns of life. And what I want, want us to do is I want us to spend some time and I want us to look at Jesus because he had healthy rhythms in life. Jesus was never really put in that holding pattern. Jesus had these healthy rhythms. He had the most difficult ministry anyone could think of, the most difficult life anyone could think of. That three-year earthly ministry, during that whole time, he was focused on one thing and one thing only, going to the cross and dying for our sins to set that relationship right that was lost in the Garden of Eden. So Jesus had healthy rhythms, and that's what allowed him to go from doing really difficult things to some good things uh, with, with, with relaxation to some really difficult things, and then to the cross. So let's talk about that. If you look at Jesus' life, the healthy rhythms that he had, first of all, he had a close circle of friends. It, it, it was beyond the 12 disciples. Think about Mary, Martha, Lazarus, people he liked to hang out with. And they filled him and he was able to fill them. It's so important for us in our healthy rhythms in life to to have a healthy group of friends, a good circle of friends. It's why here at Cornwall, we want you to be involved with a small group or, or involved with a quad because you can do life with people. Well, one of the things Jesus did also, he attended corporate worship at the synagogue. He did not forsake Corporate worship. And it's the same for us here. A good, healthy rhythm for us is we want you to not forsake the gathering. We want you to be part of our gathering, whether it's online or when we open up, whatever it looks like when we get to open up, being online or being here in person. Don't forsake the gathering. But think about this with Jesus, too. He had an amazing prayer life, but it wasn't a legalistic prayer life. It wasn't that he got up in the morning, sat by the fire with his cup of coffee, and sat and prayed. No, Jesus had a rhythm of prayer. Because it was a rhythm of life. He'd go from praying on a mountain to to walking down in a storm, pulling Peter up out of the water in the storm, going to the other side of the lake, healing someone, getting in a boat, going back to some place, and then praying some more. It was a healthy rhythm of things. Jesus, believe it or not, exercised. You may say, wait a second, Kip. He didn't exercise. I know he didn't have like a Peloton chariot type thing. But here's the thing that Jesus did. He had to walk everywhere. And with the healthy rhythm, there's something about exercise and walking or exercising outdoors that allows you to plug in to God and his creation. Jesus had a great prayer life. He filled his mind also with scripture. Jesus defeated Satan in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry because he quoted scripture. It's why we want you to connect with God daily through scripture, through our daily reading plan, or or through your own reading plan. We want you to absorb scripture and, and get it from your head into your heart and live it out. And last but not least, Jesus worked. He worked hard, but his worth did not come from his work. Think about this. Think about this. His worth came from God the Father. He had a healthy rhythm with God. He was talking to God all the time. God was part of his day. He would say that he would do nothing without the Father leading him into that. He did what the Father told him to do. Jesus, because of those healthy rhythms, he was able to turn down the volume of the world so he could hear the voice of God the Father. So as I said, I want to get very, very practical in the last few minutes of today's teaching. And I want us to look at at a couple things that we can be doing in our lives to help us have that healthy rhythm with God. So we got all those things that Jesus did. And looking at those things, we need to apply those things to our lives. But what about some things we can do each day to, to help us have healthy rhythms and be plugged into God throughout our day? Well, one of the things that's so important when it comes to a daily healthy rhythm is some form of quiet time with God. Now, with quiet time, before you you sign off and say, oh, here we go, they're going to get all legalistic about it, not getting legalistic about it at all. But we are creatures of habit, and doing things daily helps us. It, it, It helps take away stress in our lives. All of us are wired differently. Some of us are morning people. Some of us are night owls. And so that quiet time needs to be in a time in which you can stay focused on God, spend time in his word and pray. So let me give you an example about what my daily routine looks like. And I'm not saying, oh, Kip's so holy, Kip's so special. I'm not saying that at all. Guys, I've shared my jacked upness in my life. I've been through burnout and I've shared that story here before. And, and the thing that every time I've had difficulties when it came, to stress and burnout, it was because I wasn't doing my daily and weekly rhythm. So let me just show you what God has shown me over the years and has helped me. I choose a very specific time of day to sit in Scripture and, and, and to pray. It's early in the morning for me because I'm wired as a morning person. And so I spend time in prayer, I spend time in Scripture, and that starts my day off with me being plugged in. But that's, it's not a one and done. He leads us beside, or to, to green pastures. He, he takes us to these still waters. Throughout the day, that means we've got to keep going back into him and, and back into him so we can have that healthy rhythm. So I'll exercise. When I exercise... I listen to uh, upbeat praise and worship music. I will uh, listen to a Christian podcast or I'll listen to a sermon. Those are things that fire me up. Sometimes when I exercise, I'll listen to nothing and it'll be time for me to pray. Besides that daily rhythm, when I'm in my car after after a, a long day, I'll spend time in my car praying, I'll shut off the radio so I can spend time with God and praise him and talk to him about my day. But beyond that, there's a midday thing I gotta be doing. In the middle of the day, I just need to get plugged in with God because I can get so busy in ministry. So I've got a small, a short devotional that I read or on my YouVersion app on my phone, I have a Bible verse that comes in in the middle of the day. Then at night when I'm at home, before I go to bed, I spend time with my wife and we pray before we go to bed. I share those things and not saying, here's the, the thing you have to do and be legalistic about it. I share those things and that it's a rhythm with God. And Jesus is our example for that. That's why doing something like this will help you. It'll help you in this difficult time of COVID-19. And as you set things up you like this, you turn down the volume of the world during your day so you can hear the voice of God. So that's the first thing. But the second thing, well, and here's it real quick though. Here's the thing that's kind of cool. Before I get to to our challenge, the thing that's kind of cool is as I've done this, as I've walked through burnout and then walked with others who've gone through burnout, what I've realized is when you don't make this legalistic, when you get in a healthy rhythm with this, what happens is you you start walking with God because God doesn't want you to work for him. He wants you to walk with him. He doesn't want you to work for him, which is about legalism, which is about tasks. He wants you to walk with him. Healthy rhythms allow you to walk with God through your day. Okay, so I want to get to a weekly Sabbath now as the second tool that you can take with you as you're dealing with times of difficulty. And that second tool, the weekly Sabbath, if you go back to creation, God says, uh, he creates everything, it's good, he creates people, it's very good, and then on the seventh day, what does he do? he rests. Then he passes down, fast forward many, many years later, he passes down the law to Moses. And part of that law is to have a Sabbath rest. Well, the problem is, as you fast forward then into the New Testament, people had made that Sabbath rest very legalistic. Jesus would butt heads hard with the Pharisees about the Sabbath rest because the Sabbath rest, it it was something that Jesus embraced. It pointed to eternal rest with him. But the Pharisees made it very legalistic. You couldn't do specific things on a Sabbath and they made it an impossible thing. Jesus said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. This is a good thing. And it's a good thing for us still. What happens is when we take one day a week, not a specific, not, not every Sunday, not to be legalistic about it, but a day during the week and we unplug, we're in that healthy rhythm with God and it replenishes our soul. So what I want us to do and as I close today, I want us to give us a challenge. And that challenge is for the next 30 days is to set up one day a week in which you can do four things, four things. Stop Rest, delight, and contemplate. Stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Uh, those aren't mine. I stole those from Phil Scazzaro. He's, he's a pastor who's gone through burnout and he's written a whole bunch of books on dealing with burnout, emotionally healthy spirituality, books like that. So anyway, let's talk through that because what we can do is we can get so legalistic and say, I'm gonna take this day off and, and I can't run on the Sabbath. I can't do anything on the Sabbath. Now, that's not, God, that's, that's not biblical Sabbath. If you look at a biblical Sabbath, first thing is you stop. You stop work. You unplug. If you are at a point in which you can pull away from work email, that's a good thing. Some of you are first responders. Some of you can't do that right now. And and I just say, instead of a full day, pull back and spend a, a block of time once a week to do these four things. So you stop work. You stop spending time on social media and feeding your mind with all the junk from the news. You stop caving to the pressure to make yourself look busy in other people's eyes. So you stop. The second thing is, is that you rest. You rest and in, in God. You take time to take a nap, that you're not lazy if you nap on your Sabbath. You're, you're, you're replenishing your body. You take time to to watch a movie or sit in a book. The point is is that you've stopped work and you're doing things that fill you up as you rest. The third thing you do is you delight. You delight in God's creation. You delight in what he's given you. Maybe you spend more times with your kids or with your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Maybe you spend time with, with friends who just fill you up. Maybe you take time and just delight in God's creation. Delighting is so important. And then the fourth thing, though, is, is the most important, and it's contemplating. You contemplate things of God. Without this fourth aspect, it, it, it's just a day off. You spend time with God, extra time in his word, extra time maybe in solitude, in prayer. Maybe you, you, you spend some time listening to some worship music or hymns, whatever fills you up that allows you to tie into God. That's what you want to do on your sabbath day and what i've found over the years is that a sabbath is a liberated time of rest that fuels you up so you can be your best you and here's what's cool about it when you consistently have these daily healthy rhythms when you're living your life in rhythms like jesus l- led his life then your, your soul no longer has bags underneath its eyes you got to turn down the volume of the world then, and then you can hear the voice of God as He leads you to those green pastures, as He leads you to those still waters. Well, back to Phil Vischer. Phil Vischer would come out of his, his, his crash and he would be doing some amazing things. In fact, he's doing some really cool things with a new way of doing veggie tails. But when he hit rock bottom, his wife said these words to him that, that changed his outlook. She said, This, she said, God can always find another Bob the tomato. But this is his only shot with Phil Vischer. Folks, God can always find another person to fulfill whatever role you are filling or the multiple roles in which you're filling. The most important roles you're filling, guess what? God can find someone else to do it. But he's got one shot with you on this side of the dirt to speak into your heart, to, to grow you in him to grow you closer to him. And it takes healthy rhythms to do that. What is the condition of your soul right now? Is the world around you so loud you can't hear Jesus? Maybe it's time to pull back and settle down.